This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by Profitability Movement. Google Profitability-Movement to join this community of business owners focused on building profit, increasing wealth, and giving back. Thank you for joining us. Here's how we will help your business and you today. Contracts. You need them to protect you in business. Many contractors think that when they receive a contract, they can't negotiate the terms. My guest today, Kian Brennan, will explain how you can negotiate contracts that make the terms better for you. Kian, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thanks for having me, Roots. 271 podcasts. That's fantastic, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. You have one too, right? Yes. Yes. We have one called Construction Secrets. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that really impressed me um, when I was doing the research and, and going onto your website was how many testimonials where you saved them so much money and you did this and you did that. It was just really cool to see it. So the, the question that I'm going to get and, and many of our listeners get, it doesn't matter whether you're in the UK, Australia, US, whatever, you still have to negotiate a contract, correct? 100%. Yeah. So... Why is it you think that contractors think, okay, I got this contract, I have to sign it even though I don't like it? I know a lot of contractors who do, but is it mindset or, or, or where does that come from? It is 100% mindset. And it's also a lot of times it's the stage in business or the size of business that they are. Um, and so a couple of things that could be, could be taking place. One is they're a small enough business that their pipeline isn't big enough and that they they really really need this job regardless and so they're mm -hmm. just but then they're going to just sign it to make sure that they get it almost frantically mm -hmm. and so having the thing is it, it doesn't work that way having been on the, the client side for my my whole career I can tell you with absolute certainty that is not the best thing you you actually don't look good when you do that so just imagine you're in a competitive bidding scenario and there's four or five different bidders. And so four out of those companies try to negotiate, right? The contract. Mm -hmm. and, you don't, and you don't try to negotiate. The client, right? Doesn't mm -hmm. look at you as easy to deal with. They look at you as, oh, these guys are green. Or they're stupid, yeah. one of the two. <laughs> green, or, green is stupid. And so it actually detracts against what you're doing. And so when I'm having these conversations with these contractors, I go, who's the biggest guy in your field? Tell me the biggest version of your company. And they'll say, whoever it is. And I'll go, are they contractual? Oh, yes, extremely contractual or commercial or whatever their language is. Yeah. But they're, but they're viewed very professionally. And everyone speaks the reputation of that big company is, yes, they're, they're contractual, but they're professional. And that's what I, I want people to think about is it is okay to negotiate if you do it in such a way where you come back and, hey, this is this doesn't make sense or this doesn't work and this is really going to bang up my insurance or this is blah, blah, blah. They go, okay, yeah, okay, we can move here, 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 and here. And you end up looking a lot more professional. You end up signing a contract that has a lot less risk. You can set yourself up to have better cash flow, better margin, and and avoid disputes. That's why we try to negotiate better contracts. Yeah, I, one of my clients did, um, they had uh, performance guarantees in there. And 
the supply chain such that we couldn't tell you know when they were going to get the equipment to put it in and he just said no i'm not doing a performance guarantee and this is why and they actually accepted it yeah yeah why so let me let me say i've had this is a different thing i've been trying to get our clients to do and i hope your clients take away from it right is I've been asking my clients to ask for a, a prepayment, regardless of the size of contract. We're talking tens of billions. We're talking a couple of hundred thousands. We're talking big, big I'm asking, go and ask. And you, financial guru, Ruth, you, you'll you understand, right? If you can get, if you can get a, a prepayment upfront, it makes your cash flow for the whole project so much better. You, you'll get your cash of acquisition back. You'll get your upfront cost back. It'll make a huge difference. And so one person came back to me um, and, you know, we're, I'm on a call and he's like, no, no, there's no, they'll never accept it. They'll never accept it. And I chatted to a different CEO and he's like, yeah, I've been doing this for two years. Everyone I asked, they, they pretty much let me through. Yeah. I was like, oh, fantastic. Right. And so if you can structure your, um, you know, maybe a tip for if you're, uh, if you're competitive bidding, or even if you're not competitive bidding, the way to go about it is to s- submit an alternative pr- uh, bid to your client to say, hey, if you give us um, a prepayment and give them a reason why you want the upfront payment, and typically it's to secure materials because mm-hmm. the supply chain is so bad, secure people because no one can get people, you can use those and go, actually, it's in your favor because we can lock all of those things in, which means we're definitely going to be able to deliver in your project. And in exchange for that, we will knock a, a, a percentage off the contract value. Uh-huh. And so you're trading cash flow for a percentage, but if you're in construction long enough, you know that there'll be changes and there'll be delays. And if you're good at the paperwork, you're going to make your margin back in the post-award phase. Or if it's not competitive, you can mm-hmm. add it in and, and give it back too. Exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So when you look at clients, when clients come to you, are they coming because they negotiated a bad contract or are they coming because they need help negotiating a contract or both? It depends on where, how sophisticated they are. So smaller companies that come to us, they will probably be hurting. Uh-huh. And I don't want this to happen again. Bigger companies may have hurt in the past, but they're like, okay, well, we internally don't have the capacity to be able to review every contract and read through every page and prepare and try to negotiate every single one. So it depends. Sometimes it's just expertise and time. Good. All right. So when you're looking at a contract, I mean, one of the things that is almost in all larger contractors, larger contracts, especially is retainage mm-hmm. and do you put retainage requirements in the contract like X number of days past the CO or something like that? In the US, we have certificate of occupancy and that usually says everything's there. We want our money. And that's generally in the US contracts. Is it in yours in Australia or not? Yeah, I mean, so we're in the US as well. So we're fully fully up to speed on that. But it is the, the problem that the retainage is depending on where you are in the contractual hierarchy, mm-hmm. you can be tied into not getting your retainage back until the project is completed. The full, mm-hmm. the ho- all the total project, not just your contract project, right. yeah. which is terrible, again, for cash flow. So what we always say is, hey, look, you know, I, I appreciate that you're part of a bigger project, right? But I only have a contract with you. And so when my work is done, then I want to get my retainage back, uh, probably t- probably half the retainage 
straight um uh, at at um at CEO and then the remainder of the uh, retainage at the end of the warranty or defects liability period. Got it. All right. Um, before we take a break, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do it? Well, firstly, so we've got a, a podcast called Construction Secrets and a YouTube channel called uh, Construction Secrets. And actually on that YouTube channel is a playlist that is essentially every like it's 16 videos of exactly what to negotiate and how to negotiate your uh, contract. So that's probably the most valuable uh, place to go. So just search construction secrets anywhere. Um, you can learn absolutely everything. The podcast basically is the money side of construction, if that's of interest. And then if you want to work with us, you go to quantumcontractsolutions.com and then we'll essentially do it for you. Sounds great. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Many times, relatives are recruited to do your company's books without knowing how to do the books. Or you hire a bookkeeper who really doesn't know bookkeeping. If this is you, then your books are probably inaccurate. You probably pay more taxes than you should, and you rarely look at a P&L and balance sheet because you know they are wrong. What do you do? Have your bookkeeper enroll in Ruth King's Contractor Bookkeeping Basics. After completing this online course, your bookkeeper will know bookkeeping. You'll get accurate financial statements that help you make good business financial decisions. To enroll, click on the link in the show notes or call us at 770-729-0258. Enroll today. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm talking with Ken. Brennan, and I'm going to get this right eventually. <laughs> and he, you're laughing at me. <laughs> he has a lot of expertise. And if you go to his website, Quantum Contract Solutions, you can see all the testimonials of all the people that you've worked with. Well, not, probably not all the people that you've worked with, how much money you've saved them, how much trouble you've kept them out. What are some of the horror stories that you can share? We don't have to share names that you have avoided some contractors from getting in trouble with? Um, I can give you the uh, a, a, horror, a, re a really bad horror story. Okay, they came to us after this and we helped them, but I'll just give you a horror story of what can happen. So there is this uh, civil contractor in uh, Eastern You don't even Australia. have to say where it is. <laughs> okay, oh, it's okay, it's all right. Um, in, in Brisbane, Australia. And... A big multinational company, actually U.S.-owned company, where where the where the where the the head guys, and they were their project manager on the site said to them, "Look, there's so many different changes, and there's whatever. Just what I need you to do is just don't submit change orders for any of these. I want you to put them all into one big change order, and then I'll prove it all in one go. Okay, which." which is alarm bells for me, right? Yeah, right now, it's too. alarm bells, okay? <laughs> so they said, okay. And so they did that. And so they submitted and the project manager approved the change order, okay? The company then paid the change order. It was about a million dollars of a change order. Okay. And then uh, what we always talk about is, um, with our clients is the last quarter of a construction project is when things get really hairy. And sometimes these companies bring in closeout teams. And they brought in a closeout team and the project manager went off to a different project. And the closeout team sent them a letter saying, 
we approve just letting you know that it's payment on account okay or set off right which which can be which means money can transfer one way and back mm -hmm. and so just letting you know it's payment on account and those variations were uh, that variate sorry that change order was approved in error because you didn't comply with the contract and submit your notices as and when they happened therefore it's no longer approved your final payment claim was 1.5 million so we're taking a million off it oh my god <laughs> So that's probably the worst horror story that I have. And, I, you know, then we have, you know, we went to battle, basically. But that's what can happen. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. The moral of the story is don't put everything at once. You know, as you do it, do, uh, submit the change orders. Yeah, 100%. It actually looks better if you, as you, there's a couple of different reasons you want to do it, even for the small ones. So as you go, you got to put your notice in, you got to put your change order in. So as you go, if you're doing it, you can kind of, the first thing that uh, tends to happen is you'll do work and the client won't approve your change order for ages, for a long time. And that kills your cash flow again, right? And so you're basically financing the project for them. And if you're doing it for the little ones, you can start to train them as soon as they don't do it. So they don't pay you, they don't approve it quickly. Then you say, hey, you haven't approved my, my change order, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you know that, or maybe this is the type of client you're dealing with now, that they don't do that. And uh, so you're like, okay, so in the future you can say, well, actually, I mightn't take on this next change order because you haven't approved it. And you can start making some smart decisions. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in the fourth quarter of a construction project, when things kick off, you now have, you can go, hey guys, look, you've changed the project. Look, we've had, we have 20 change orders here, 25. Change. You've changed it so many times. How could you ever expected me to approve it on, uh, to complete it on time? And you get some backup. You got some paperwork where you can start working towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I find that if, it's not in writing and it's not done immediately. They have a tendency to have what I call CMS, which is convenient memory syndrome. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And, and people people move on, Ruth, right? So okay. the first of all, the, the larger construction company, larger GCs will bring in a closeout team in the, in the last quarter, right? So that means they bring in new people, the old people will go away. The second thing is if you're a project manager and you've been on a construction project for a couple of years or a year or whatever, and you get the opportunity to go on another project that's two or three years long. What are you going to do? You're probably going to take it, right? Because yeah, you're job security. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not that relationships. Relationships are important. They're very, very important. But the thing is, they can go missing. And then mm -hmm. everyone relies on the contract and all everything you've agreed before goes away. Yeah. And especially if it was verbal, forget it. It's mm -hmm. over. It's absolutely yeah. over. Have you had situations where that a payment wasn't made and the contractor walked off the job? Um, we've had a lot of, it depends on the contract, but we've had a lot of situations where our clients are like, I'm walking off the job. I'm going, right? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, oh, I'm like, if you do that, I know that sounds like the thing to do, but the contract that you've signed, if you do that, they're going to say that you, you've, you've not complied with the contracts. And that they you have to find someone else and they're going to bill you for it. Yeah. Right. So it's not it's not always an ideal thing to do. Right. I know it sounds like the thing to do, but it, it, oftentimes it's not. No, because you're right. Nine, nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, the contract for all intents and purposes prevents you from doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very so important. You're, 
the termination clause in the contract needs to be very clear that you can terminate the contract if they don't pay you. Yeah. And if not, if that's in there, you can terminate the contract. Exactly. Yeah. If it's still, not still, in there, yeah. Yeah. You still have to go about it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a specific way, but yes, in theory, yes, you can. Yeah. It's it, that to me, that's always the last resort. It's, you know, you're, they're frustrated. You're frustrated. It's not working. You know, it's like, I hate it when it gets to that point. It's not uh, yeah. fun. It's not fun. Nobody wins no, in that. Point. No one. No one's. Yes, it's a race to see who loses the least amount of money. Yeah, and and that's not how you want to do jobs. You want to do them so that everybody wins, not everybody. And we have win lose. That generally exactly. doesn't do very well. All right, in the last minute or so that we have together, what are some final thoughts you have, or some things that always should be in contracts that you see? If you're negotiating a contract, you want to, the first thing is that one we just talked about there. We want to make sure that you can get out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, a lot of contracts, the way they're written, they'll list all the ways that they can terminate you. Termination for convenience, termination for default, whatever it happens to be. But then you look at it and go, ah, there's no way I can terminate them. Mm -hmm. Right now, you, you, in theory, you could do it outside of the contract, but it just makes it very hard. So you want to have a, make sure that you can terminate them unless they pay you. That's that's probably one of the biggest ones. It gives you the most strength to be able to get out and not keep incurring costs. Mm -hmm. um, the consequential damages, consequential loss, loss of profit is, is a very important one. That's a, just a no-no. So to give you, your listeners um, an understanding, I think most people understand liquidated damages. Mm -hmm. so imagine you were, if you were engaged to build a hotel and you delay the GC in building the hotel, okay? Because of that, or let's just say the client, the the the, the owner of the of the company to make it the owner of the building to make it easy, you delay them in in the construction, and so liquidated damages are to compensate them for the cost of you being late. So other contractors are late, and they they have to pay them more money. Just costs of you being late. That's what liquidated damages are for. Mm -hmm. Consequential damages are for them not being able to rent out the hotel rooms. And losing money because of that. Mm -hmm. The problem is, if depending on the size of your company, loss of profit of your clients could be big enough to end your company. Yeah, it puts you out of business. Yeah, it puts you out of business. And yeah. so they're, they're they're two very important ones. Yeah. So one last time, where people can get a hold of you, if they want to. I know the, the YouTube channel. You want to mention that again, and then if they want to engage you, Quantum Contract Solutions, correct? Yes, exactly. That's it. So quantumcontractsolutions.com um, is if you want to engage us, um, if you want to learn as much as possible, uh, construction secrets on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Ken, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate your knowledge. Thank you, Ruth. And, and thanks to all of you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you are listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.